Now is a non-partisan coalition committed to ending industrial and systemic sexual harassment for all people in Australia. Protecting and defending the collective right to safety. Legal support. Media representation. Education. Counselling and confidential advice to end the intimidation and abuse. And the structures that protect perpetrators and silence survivors. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. Not in the future. But now. 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 Welcome back to Exposure. I'm Sapir Mehron. Last week, pretty much as I was publishing episode one, Australian journalist Tracy Spicer launched NOW, an organisation to support survivors of sexual harassment or abuse in a bunch of different ways. That was their promotional video that you heard at the beginning there. The organisation came from Australia's own Me Too moment. Last year, Tracy asked Australians working in the media to share their stories of abuse in the industry. And as with Ali Moore, Hundreds came forward. Now, now, we'll try to meet their myriad needs in counselling and legal fees through fundraising. And if you want to donate, go to now.org.au where you can also see the full video. Back at home, as Ali and her team continue their investigation, I wanted to unpack how journalism and the law meet when it comes to crime. And I found the perfect expert. Ruth Money is a full-time independent victims advocate That means she stands alongside victims of crimes and guides them through our justice system. So for episode two, we tried to understand what victims need when they're seeking justice for crimes done to them, and what are the risks in introducing media into the mix of police and the Crown and lawyers and just the dozens of people affected when someone commits a crime. When the media is involved in the justice system, whether that's in a formal way or in the way that it happens usually where a story is published about the crime or the victim or the survivor or the criminal, how does that play into everything in terms of justice and the victim's role? Mm, Okay, good question. Um, So I am really passionate about the media fulfilling their role, which is as surrogates of the public, quote-unquote. What that means is that, you know, there's however many, 130 courts in the land, um, and each one has X many courtrooms. So at any one time, from kind of 10 to 5, working days in New Zealand, there are literally thousands of court cases going on. What I get slightly nervous about is that at the end of the day, media um, staff are paid to file stories. And they're not advocates, generally. (laughs) Some, you know, let's face it, there are um, some who are a lot more professional and trained in this space than others. So I do get concerned when um, there are campaigns to encourage people to undergo disclosure processes that aren't the traditional and legal disclosure processes. For example, every day in courtrooms, defence lawyers are trying to get their offenders off based on legal technicalities. Oh, well, the disclosure file didn't arrive on time, Your Honour, and I haven't had time to 
prepare my submissions, therefore we need a delay of four months, six months, whatever it might be. And that happens all the time. And the care for me um, when you've got people who aren't trained in the process is that you are giving the offenders the ability to wriggle out of something, potentially. But balance that with the fact that it's really important that people know that they can disclose in a really safe environment and that there are other people doing it. You know, that's a really important media role to encourage people to be brave and step forward and share their story and and let their voices be heard. And the media, you know, over the years have helped me and other survivors do that. And I, I can't comment because I'm not, you know, I haven't gone through the process. But I hope that the people within the system are following legal procedure so that something can, if the victim wants to, something can actually happen from a legal process. Because I would hate to see any disclosures or any interviews happen that give an offender wriggle room and a defence lawyer wriggle room to get that offender off. And, and more importantly to me, damage the survivor or the survivor's chance of healing on the way through. Something that was said by Alison was that often the people who are coming to the media to tell their stories are people who have gone through the justice system and had that system fail them. What happens in that scenario? I help people who have been through the justice system and it's failed them every week, almost every day. Again, it comes down to the definition of how it's failed them because, yep, some people's definition, in fact, I'm commenting in the media on the weekend, about a lady who says that the justice system failed her and her definition of why she thinks it's failed her is because the sentence is ridiculous um, in her mind according you know, according to all the facts. And at the end of the trial, he was found guilty um, and a, there was a very light sentence handed down. So, you know, she's a perfect example. She, she called the reporter because she wanted to notify everyone of that, um, in her mind, you know, very sad and unfortunate and quite ridiculous situation. What I would rather see <laughs> is obviously that that doesn't happen. But if it does happen, there is an advocate by that person's side to let her know what she could or couldn't have done rather than going to the media. So if she'd had an advocate who was helping her through the process and was doing an, you know, what I call a true advocacy role, then she wouldn't have felt frustrated and she wouldn't have had to reach out to the media. So I guess my my pushback on Ali's comment is, and I get it because I work in the system every day and it's far from um, far uh, able to assist with all these victims. But actually if the system was working properly, they wouldn't be reaching out to media, which is why we need advocates. Wow, it's such a double-edged sword. Mm, mm. And and don't get me wrong, I work with, you know, I would do a story at least a week with media, but I'm, I, you know, I'm trained and very careful, as is the media that I work with, around the legal risks of publication at different stages of the process. Because at the end of the day, my motivation is justice, whatever that looks like for the victim. You just can't put people in boxes, you know, you can't. 
jam them through the system with no communication and assume that things that you're doing are right for them because it's a human process and they're broken. Someone has offended against them at whatever level. So you can't just shove them in a box and put them through the process. I asked Ruth what she thought of Alison and Stuff's triage system to process people who come to Stuff with their stories. Here is that system in Ali's own words. So we have a tria, what we call a triage system, which is not so different actually from the kind of care package, if you like, that many other reporters uh, offer people who come forward with these very sensitive stories. But the triage system means that I have good contact with, direct contacts with police, um, in my case the adult sexual assault team, uh, counselling, I've had meetings with organisations like Toanest and HELP um, who counsel sexual assault um, victims or survivors in, uh, well right around the country actually, HELP is in Auckland and Wellington. And uh, and I also have a, a number of lawyers, wonderful um, lawyers who've put their hands up and volunteered from right around the country and volunteered their help for people who need legal help. So when somebody comes to me with their story, all I say is, are you okay? And first of all, would you like me to put you in contact with my contact with my uh, contacts at the police? Would you like me to put you in contact with um, the appropriate counselling service? Or do you need a lawyer? My challenge to that would be, you don't know what you don't know when you're a survivor. So if someone said to me, oh, do you want a lawyer or do you want to tell the police about this? I'd say no, because I'd be scared. And most of my... This is why I would... I think that these um, disclosures should be encouraged, or these contacts, not even disclosures, these contacts with um, potential survivors should be encouraged, absolutely. But then they should be handed over to people within the system who can work with that person and determine the best thing for them. And that is only going to happen with some education around, well, actually, there's no point going to the police on this one or how do you feel about name suppression, or um, it's historical, so we should go down this track, but you should be warned that because the police are so under-resourced in the adult sexual assault team, that you might be looking at a year before the investigation even starts. Um, you, you can't ask someone, would you like me to, to refer you to the police, or would you like me to refer you to Help Auckland, when they don't know what that is because they're not going to make the right decision for themselves nine times out of ten. So I'm hopeful that with this triage system, there's some communication around each point. But I would, again, it's such a human process that I would want a consult with an advocate with each contact to make sure that they're going down the right direction from the beginning. I work with so many sexual complainants who who come to me and they never want to disclose and they don't disclose. The IE, my definition of disclosure, is going to the police and having that level three interview, which is the big, long, recorded, video-recorded interview, because they choose it's not right for them. Some I'm working with, 
it might take a few weeks or a few months and then they'll come to me and go, you know what, actually I want, I want to take this to the police. I've just had my own child. I look in her eyes and think, oh my gosh, you know, that man's a groomer. He's still in our family. I want to do something about this now. But each person needs to be spoken to and consulted with to determine the right path for them. And I'm not sure that someone contacting you through media because something happened at work or something happened a few years ago and you saying, oh, do you want me to refer this to the police or do you want me to refer you to help Auckland is the right way to go about it without a proper consult to them. And it takes a long time. Um, and the other thing I'd say is, you know, I work with Help Auckland and I work with Help Wellington as, as well as lots of other um, people within the sector, and they're bloody under-resourced. You know, I can't get someone for a crisis meeting or consult with a counsellor. A crisis, let alone something that's happened historical. They're under-resourced, they're underfunded. Yeah, I, I don't know what timelines or what um, kind of commitments have been communicated to these contacts that are coming through this campaign, but people need to be really realistic about what what these support services can actually deliver, which is a sad indictment on the fact that they just do not get enough funding. I could have spoken to Ruth for hours. She's so passionate about putting victims at the centre of our system. Over the next week, I'll be putting up some more pieces of our conversation that I would just hate for you to miss out on. So do stay tuned for that. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher or Podcast Addict. And please like and follow Exposure on Facebook and SoundCloud. Exposure is written and produced by me, Sophia Mayron, and our theme music is by Ingrid Saker. Our artwork is Photography by Brittany Cosgrove. See you next week.